Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. So, I'm clearly going crazy. How about you? I uh, actually, I don't feel like I'm going crazy. I am getting super depressed and frustrated. Oh. Okay, so what are the stages of grief? Is the first one depression? No, the first mm. one's like avoidance. Let's see. Stages of grief. Shock and denial. Denial. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. that's okay. So that's Sarah's experiencing job stuff. So yes, I think denial was first. It won't be that long. It's only going to be <laughs> express claims. It's only going to be a couple days. Okay, there's no, denial. Not a couple days. I I knew it was going to be like at least a, a week or two. Okay, so that was the denial weeks. part. <laughs> it's only going to okay. be a couple weeks. She says a month ago. Um, and then we get into pain and guilt. Mm, pain for sure. Pain for sure. Anger and bargaining. Oh. See, now I thought you were at the anger phase. I didn't I, think that you were at the depression phase. I thought you were totally at, like, the anger, like, fuck this shit. Like, tossing right? tables and, like, I'm just looking for another fucking job. Fuck this place. I quit. Not, I quit. I, that was on, like, Wednesday and Thursday was okay. anger. But by Friday, it, it morphed into depression. Hmm. Is that the final stage? No, because it's supposed to be acceptance. Like, and isn't there the bargaining? Then like, well, maybe if I do There's this. Upward turn. A bargaining is, goes with anger. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So after depression is the, it says the upward turn. There's seven stages, not five. Oh. They enhanced it. Uh, upward turn, then it reconstruction, and then acceptance. <laughs> you got to uh, work on it before you accept it. Fuck that. That sounds terrible. Well, so you're in depression right now. And it's highly related to your situation. Uh, Yeah. So I've been experiencing some changes at work. Uh, They are temporary, but lasting a little bit longer than I would have wished that they would have. But I. She she says that she slips back into denial. I know, right? (laughs) They're temporary. Denial. No, they are temporary. <laughs> they uh, just are. Uh, God, I just I hate the work that I'm doing right now. I really <laughs> do. I so hate it. <laughs> I, I'm just laughing because you're like trying to talk like gracefully around like what it is going, and you're just like, "Fuck this! I just hate it. I just I there's do. nothing else to say except for well, like, I hate this. It makes me hate everything." It's one of those things where you're nervous to say, I'm in a in a situation where I work for a company where you have to be careful with what you say, right? And because well, you it up like me. fired and 
after 13 years. There are consequences. So, uh, but ultimately, you guys don't know where I work. It sucks. I do not enjoy it. I, like, I don't mind my actual position, my actual job. I don't necessarily mind it. I can find enjoyment with the people that I work with and what have you, but we have reverted to going back to what we used to do or what I used to do and that I just cannot stand. I was depressed before and I'm going back into depression and it's affecting like me like it's actually affecting me and my home life I feel like and it's just it's not good I am having a bad month people so can you elaborate more like how is it impacting your home life yeah so uh, it's because of my mood I'm getting uh, shorter and not physically but emotionally (laughs) my um I am like not as motivated I'm getting tired Mm. faster and I just I I don't care as much which is horrible but it's true Mm -hmm. you're doing something you don't love and it literally sucks the life out of you yeah it really is and like Mm -hmm. last night I feel like I had a little bit of a breakthrough because I was like dude, I haven't done this in such a long time and I'm dragging my feet to like to pick it up again to do it. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why am I like so gung ho to do something that is seriously sucking the soul out of my body? And yet when it comes to something that I purely, truly love to do, I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, that's called depression. You're and in your prop like when you're doing something that you hate for that many hours a day, like your, your capacity is gone. Like we talk about constitution and things like that in D and D and like, what if you were battling something that literally had a negative impact on your constitution modifier every single time. And you had to roll constitution every single time. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, I'm never ever going to be able to have the capacity because I'm using all my spell slots to deal with this one thing to then go off and be like now I want to go perform in this thing well you can't because you're exhausted there's nothing that you can do and that's honestly that's exactly how it feels like I'm giving my all into my work or into Mm -hmm. this job because ultimately at the why did I choose to do that well that's the one that's paying the bills right now and I I need to make sure that I'm sustaining that job as much as possible in this current moment. And so I so I make sure I do a good job. Well, that oh, it just sucks so much energy out because mm-hmm. of the type of work it is. Yeah. And so then you're yeah, and then afterwards, I'm like I'm drained. I am so exhausted that I don't want to do anything else. But Last night I forced myself and it felt good. Like it was a small step. And what I did, like the task itself was really small and minimal, but I did it. Like mm-hmm. I completed it and it felt good. Good. Yeah. Um, it's so hard when it's like situational because you can see, you know, that there will be light 
at the right. end, right? So you're like, okay, I just I just need to make it through. I just need to make it through. But when it's that hard to make it through, your capacity just gets impacted. And so you get exhausted. You know, it's like you're struggling from exhaustion. Like, so you get done with your work day and your son wants to play. And if you force yourself to do that, it's like it takes three times as much energy to do it because mm-hmm. you're already exhausted. Yeah, I felt bad yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. So are you taking any steps? You said small things, trying to do a couple of things that make you feel good. Um, anything else that you're doing? Or are you just trying to bide your time while you're working through this? Well, in all honesty, I was before biding my time and whatnot. But you joke about it. But in a, other people don't understand. It's true that, like, they tell us that there's an end date to mm-hmm. this temporary situation but ultimately like amanda knows that date is loose like just it is it. a sticky note on a board that they mm-hmm. can pick up and throw away like it doesn't and, matter yeah and the, the consequences aren't on them for making shitty hiring decisions right. or having exactly. shitty practices about i don't know firing people during covid but whatever <laughs> you know i mean no it's it's ridiculous. Whatever. The whole situation is so stupid. And I think that's what makes it worse is that I don't agree with what happened with what the company did. I, I think they completely screwed themselves over and now they're putting a Band-Aid over it and the Band-Aid's not even working. I mean, I can give you a list of names of people that I think probably did that, but that'll be off. Right. Um, and you're Ugh. you're you're experiencing, you know. Don't you know that corporate loves a world that's built on blood and genocide and exploitation? <laughs> that's how they make their money, Sarah. Right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I am really sorry that you're dealing with all of that because that's so frustrating. And um, <clears throat> on the heels of hearing good news about your position that you were in or that you are in. Right. Before this temporary change. It's got to be like whiplash. Um, so I know for me, if I was experiencing that. I feel like the depression would almost be worse because it was coming off of the heels of something so euphoric and like good feeling. I don't have to worry about moving positions for another year then followed with. But now you have to go back and do exactly what you were afraid of returning to. Exactly. Like it was, oh, congrats. Like we want you here longer. Like you're doing so well. We're going to give you all these different responsibilities so that way it can improve like self development and really get you in a spot that you want to be in. And then, boom, guess what? Because you agree to be here longer, you get to pick up your old work that you used to do and absolutely hated and left for this job. And, uh, and it's like, now we're getting to the end and it's getting like super overwhelming because now my manager is like, okay, great. We see the end in sight. It's about to happen. Are you ready? Cause now we got to shoot forward and get everything back in order to where it was before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Expectations, people, high expectations. So please share this podcast with people so that we can start making money off of it. And then Sarah can <laughs> leave her terrible corporate job. Please. Shameless plug. I can't do the corporate anymore. It right. is killing my life. Like we're going to continue doing this people regardless, but you know, yep. it'd be nice if we could make a living as well. So. Okay. Um, Enough about me. 
<laughs> so I'm struggling with a little bit of depression right now as well. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to work through it and I feel like I have good days and bad days, but I fell a couple of weeks ago down the stairs and twisted my ankle really, really bad. Um, and I may have done some permanent damage to some tendons and ligaments that I might have to have surgery for. So I can't walk um, without crutches and or this scooter thing that my mom graciously bought for me, our mom, um, which is amazing. And um, but it makes moving around my house harder. And then I also can't go out and make any money. So um you know, how I was making money. And so there's just a lot of impacts there. Um, and I take care of a lot of things in my house, especially since leaving the corporate job that I had a year ago, mm -hmm. I've become the, the home caretaker, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. domestic goddess. And so, um, it's really difficult because now like I can't do the cooking or the cleaning. And so my house is falling apart around me. And so I'm seeing that visually while also trying to heal. So like yesterday, I didn't fucking leave my bedroom all day. Yeah. I literally stayed in my bed all day. Um, which, so, yeah. Do you, well, so do you want to let people know like, okay, so you may have done permanent damage uh, mm -hmm. to your foot or ankle and what, what not what exactly like is that going to look like for you like what does that mean permanent damage because I mean like oh I have a scar it's permanent damage but it doesn't do anything you know just yeah no so like right now I can't walk on it mm -hmm. <laughs> um the hope was that I'd be able to start putting some weight on it last week uh, in the boot and in like an air cast um I wasn't able to do that I'll be trying again this week. I have an appointment on Tuesday to go back to my podiatrist, but I have to get an MRI on my foot. And if they have ruptured or torn any ligaments or tendons, I'll have to have surgery, um, which means 12 weeks of healing time in a cast or a boot um, without like weight bearing because it's damaged to the bottom of my foot. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you think about all the pressure that goes into that um, and then per, potentially like permanent um lack of uh um range of motion um and so for me I am in by no means like a professional dancer or anything like that but I enjoy dancing I like taking dance classes um mm -hmm. some of the things that are on my bucket list is like I wanted to enter an amateur ballroom dancing competition I would love to do um another dance team type vibe where you perform, you know, things like that. And I can't like flex or point my toe to the extent that I could before. Now it's only been a couple of weeks. So, right. but those and you are the have... things mentally I'm dealing with, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I can understand that. It's, like, it's one of those things where in the moment, somebody might be like, well, you're not fully healed yet, or you haven't gone through uh, the surgery, or you may not even need the surgery, so on and so forth, you know. But ultimately, for people to understand, you're a person who is constantly in motion like you're busy around the house like you said you are the goddess of the mm -hmm. house and 
you're also the type of person who likes to like entertain, like you like to dance around, you like to sing, you like to right. act out things like you're like you use your body to express yourself. Right. And so in this moment, it, it's for our listeners, it's more than just I can't point my toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, not only can I not point my toe, it's just, it's who I am. And so to your point, so it's like, I can't interact the same way that I want to. Um, I do a lot of yelling from my room, like, hey, can you guys grab me? You know, like, I don't know. And so I find I I get in my head a lot because I feel like I'm just annoying everybody. I'm bothering them, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of just mental issues that I'm dealing with. But sure. The good thing is that when I went in to the doctor, they were like, do you want us to set you up with somebody to talk to? Because this can be, you know, difficult or whatever. Oh, I'm like, yeah, okay. like, send me a counselor. Um, So they're setting me up with a counselor. It seems like they're pretty booked out. We have a mental health crisis in this country. um, So you can't really get help easily, timely. Yeah. Um, but I'm at least on a list to talk to somebody and I've been writing some things down. Okay. Um, so one thing that I did want to share was in my, and I shared this with you this morning, but in my, um, planner that I have on my iPad each week has like a reflection section. Mm-hmm. And this was something I used to do when I was working in a corporate environment because I did a lot of project management and a lot of what you do is reflect on what went well. What didn't go well? What should I change? You know, et cetera. Um, it's a good practice to have in general. Sarah and I talk about the importance of like writing things down or keeping a journal in one of our other episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But I started doing that and it's just like a simple box and it's it gives me a chance because it's a prompt. It tells me what it wants me to focus on, but it gives me a chance to be like, how did this week really go? Because for me, I can get wrapped up in the moment with how I'm feeling. So yeah. like mm-hmm. right now I feel, you know, whatever. So like yesterday I was laying in my room for a majority of the day and I was like, I was having struggling with a lot of depression, but then it would be mixed with like, Oh, I got this social media thing posted or I accomplished this, you know? So I was still trying to do some things to help me get through my slump yeah. Um. So this type of reflection allows me to really think critically about my week as opposed to just like, what am I feeling right now? Um. Which when I journal and I talked about this in that podcast episode, but when I journal, I tend to be like journaling about whatever's going on in my brain at that moment, which can get, be very pessimistic versus with one of these prompts. It was like, well, what are you grateful for? What are Mm -hmm. things that went really well this week? So it's not just focusing. It's not freeform where my brain, because of depression and anxiety and everything, automatically goes to the negative and things I need to work on. Mm -hmm. It allows me to reflect differently. So that's nice, actually. I I actually like how you said that, where you're so, like, in the moment and so in your thoughts. And we we know that like, especially feeling depression and the situation, you know, that you're in, like, it's so easy to just dwell in that. And so to have something to force you to switch your mind to be like, no, like, let's, let's take a break from all this negativity. Let's Mm -hmm. focus on some positivity that, you know, can shine some light 
on yourself or on the situation, you know, kind of just make sure that you're not completely in darkness. Exactly. And so it, it's, it can be hard to do, like, especially, and it's a good reflection practice for me, because if I start doing it and I get to that question, like, what were you grateful for? Like what something good that happened last week, et cetera. And there's nothing. And I'm like, nothing, everything's shitty and sucked. Then I know I'm in a mental state where I probably should talk to somebody like, Mm -hmm. because as humans, even if it was something small, like I spent an hour and a half petting my cat yesterday, Mm -hmm. that was enjoyable. Like, I liked that. I felt really bonded with her. She hasn't been spending a lot of time inside because it's so nice out. She loves it. You know, like all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I felt really nice and connected. If If I'm in such a depressed state that I can't even acknowledge small things that are bringing me joy, then I'm at a point knowing myself from my past history and my 38 years of life that I need to talk to somebody because I'm not even getting a little bit of joy out of small things. And that means my depression is really, really, really out of control. Um, And your depression wants you to feel like that. Your depression wants you to dwell on the negative. And that's, yeah. And that's why I love this little, it's just, it's, you saw it this morning. It's so simple people. It's literally like three boxes with not even enough space to write two sentences. It's not asking me to write a novel about what went well. It's like one fucking thing. What's mm-hmm. one thing that went well? And I was able to reflect on, I set some healthy boundaries with my parents this week um, because they're, they are moving and they are experiencing a time crunch to get things done in their life. So I've been <laughs> setting some healthy boundaries and... Mm-hmm. I was knowing I was getting very depressed. Um, My husband, Paul, had Tuesday and Wednesday off this past week. And I asked him to spend the day with me, like both days, doing nothing, playing video games, relaxing, not worrying about cleaning, not worrying about anything else. So our parents um, wanted me and Paul and my family to come help them pack and move. And we said no. Um, this didn't create such a great response, but it was a healthy boundary that I needed to set because I knew mentally I needed some time with one of my favorite people in the world, you know, and I just needed to feel joy um, doing things with him that, you know, whatever that we like to do together. And so we played games. And I remember on Wednesday we were downstairs in our office and I just kept looking at him like, thank you so much. Like you're making me so happy being here with me, even though there's like zero expectations of what we're going to do today. Um, And it felt really good, but it was hard to set those boundaries, but it really, I had to really reflect on like your life situation isn't um, a priority in my life right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, it's, it's, and it feels so selfish and so terrible to say it that way, like firstborn guilt or whatever you want to call it. But like, I don't want to help you move today. Like, I don't want to. That's not how I want to spend my time. No. And the the way that I think of it, it's not like uh, I, I understand the guilt because I am a person who has that feeling like severely and mm-hmm. I recognize it as a problem. But it, you also have to think about it like everybody has their own lives to live. 
And everybody has the right to live their own life the way that, you know, essentially that they want to. And so you have the the right to say no, because today, like, it's just not a good day. Like you, I know it seems guilty, but it's self-health. Like you, you need to recognize when you need to put yourself as a priority, right? Right. And this was, these were one of those moments where yeah. I was like, normally I would be the first person to say, no problem, I'll be there, you know? Right. And they know that and that's why they reach out to me. But I couldn't say it. And yeah. I was really proud of myself for saying, I need time not to do anything. Like, yeah, because that's hard for me to do as well. Um, Anyway. So that's, you know, some growth for me, I guess, um, was being able to set that boundary, which is sometimes really hard to do, especially with the family that you're born into, because you feel like this innate need to please or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I but that. I know my situation is just that it's a situation. It'll pass. I'll get through it with my foot and everything and I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, stuff will well, happen. I'm thinking I am very much like for other people. I, I try to be for myself, too. But for other people, I'm a bit, big advocate for being an opportunist and like thinking about the bright side of things. And I just think about how even if the surgery happens, they have stretches and exercises for you to perform on your foot and whatnot. And it may seem like it isn't going to revert back to how it was before, but it's not necessarily like world ending. Right. It's just the fear of the unknown right now. Exactly. That it's it's inducing a lot of anxiety and that, that feeds into my anxiety depression mm-hmm. spiral, you know, that kind of just feeds itself. And so I'm trying to like, when I think about things like that, like, oh, my God, what if I don't what if I'm never able to dance again mm-hmm. because I don't have that flexibility in my foot? Um, and then I'm realizing, OK, I'm catastrophizing and I get really quiet and I, I tend to get reclusive. So like last week I was very I didn't communicate a lot. I didn't send a lot of Marco Polos, which is something I usually do. I was kind of mm-hmm. quiet. And it's because I'm catastrophizing and I try to do that internally because I don't want to spew shit all over the place and make everybody like, what the fuck? Like you're just being ridiculous, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it allows me to prepare myself for what if this does happen? What's the worst, you know, have you ever worst played that game? scenario? Worst yes. case scenario. You know, so Paul and I play that game. It's like, okay, worst case scenario. I permanently damaged something in my foot. It's been really cold for the last couple of weeks. And the doctor on Tuesday, it's like, oh, my God, you should have called me. I'm going to have to amputate it. <laughs> wow. It, that's how you play the game. Okay, that so you, go, you, play the game. you go yes. extreme. Like, right, right. right. Cool. I get a prosthetic, you know, like, so, uh-huh. so you, it helps to realize that even in the most extreme of situations, there usually are solutions. Yes. But I do that all inside and it takes me a while because I, I go through the grieving process we were talking about. Right. It's like bargaining. No, no, no. Well, I'm sure my foot's fine as I can't put any weight on it for two weeks. Yeah, no, no, it's totally fine. You know, and so you go through the, I go through these whole processes, but 
I shut down and it's hard for people around me because normally I am that more of that gregarious personality, you know, like. No, I, okay. So listeners, this is how, what she's talking about. So you're hearing it from her lips, like her explaining herself. This is what it's like for an outsider's perspective. (laughs) Typically I receive a Marco Polo by like seven, seven thirty in the morning. Like that is a normal instance. And mm-hmm. it's just us saying good morning to one another and like what we have planned for the day and what have you. We like to start our days off like that. It's nice. And all of a sudden, this situation happens, and I don't get a Marco Polo until lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And then I don't get another Marco Polo until dinner time and then that's it mm-hmm. so i have and usually now, there's like 10 exactly i was about yeah. to say so it started out where i get a marco polo 7 seven thirty, and then we're just going for the rest of the day like we could have 20 marco polos oh if you don't know what marco polo is it is a video messaging app highly recommend actually i do it's kind of like snapchat but you can save all of your video yeah. all your videos are saved so you have a history of your conversation it's nice. And it, it starts off as a free app, but you can put some money into it to get some additional features, which we do. Um, anyways, digress. So we have 20 of these messages on a normal, typical day, but now it, it's gone down to two. So mm-hmm. I understand you needing space. And I and as soon as like that switch got flipped and the Marco Polos and like the messaging slowed down and halted. I knew exactly like, not exactly. I take that back. I'm not that smart. I knew something along this, these lines was happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people who are experiencing, like if you have friends or family who, you know, are going through a tough time, you have to recognize what, would be the right thing to do. Like, I want to reach out. And I did a couple of times, like I initiated it and Mm -hmm. I attempted to push for some more, but it's not like I I gave you that space. I didn't like force myself to make you respond. I didn't force myself over to your house. I didn't do anything of that sort because I knew that you needed space. And I think people, it may seem weird to have a friend or family who's so like out there or like outspoken to divert to not being, and you want them to go back to where they work. So you want them to be happy or what you thought was their happiness, but you have right. to make sure that they get there themselves. Right. Or you're like, oh, I miss like everything that you're bringing to my life. Like you, you made me laugh and we had these conversations and and that's hard from like our, my perspective. Cause then it's like, well, am I just here for your fucking entertainment? Like, right. I'm a human. I have emotions, you know, right. you would never say that, but like people in my life in the past have said things like that, you know, like, I just mm-hmm. like it when you're happier and well, that's, that must be nice, you know? You're either my friend and you get all of me or you get none of me. 
Right, exactly. You can't pick and choose your moments here, people. Right. Like, I am yeah. a human being. My emotions do fluctuate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it's interesting because when, as a person that is doing, having that behavior, I don't think about how it's going to impact. Well, I shouldn't say that. My depression makes me think that it won't impact the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's going to notice. You know what I mean? It's weird. So we do. It's a lie. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Ashley's like, um, I was getting like 20 messages from you and now I get like two. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dealing with some shit. Um, yeah. And talking about it is hard too. Cause it's like, like I said, the catastrophizing. It is. I know I'm being ridiculous. So I don't want to share that with anybody because intellectually I know that, but my depression and anxiety won't let me not go through that process right no no no. I it completely makes sense I have such bad anxiety that I normally catastrophize like other situations I'm very much a person where it's like I have something coming up what if like what Mm -hmm. if it goes this way what if this happens and then and then it blows up it's (laughs) it gets crazy yeah you're like what if Mount St. Helens erupts right yeah what if what the if? zombies let's plan come. for it right what if the zombie apocalypse got a plan yeah <laughs> got a plan um so let us know how you guys are hanging in and what you guys do for like managing through weird situational crap that comes up in life like adulting is hard and stuff happens as we get older it feels like more and more stuff happens yeah like how how are you coping with your own depression or are those around you uh, dealing with it, and how are you trying to respond back? I'm casting Expecto Patronum a lot. Yeah. Expecto Patronum! <laughs> and then I turn my lights on with my app, Blue! and then all the lights in my room go on. Just slowly, though, you fade it. You're like, yeah. oh. there's the happiest moment. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Pursuing Your Patronus and that it made you think a little bit about mental health and pursuing your own happiness and finding your ultimate Patronus. Make sure to stick with us here and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those social media sites. And if you're enjoying your Pursuing Your Patronus podcast with us, you may also want to think about checking out our Loot the Booty series and also where we nerd out on YouTube. Expecto Patronum! Nice.